0: Hey, this is Cameron Welch, and you're listening to Starkville's House of Ale.
1: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Starkville's House of Ale. I'm Derek. I'm Frank. And we are delighted, privileged, honored, blessed—whatever uh, you want to call it. Uh, uh, as Cameron Welsh said moments ago, Rao has 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 shined upon him, and now shined upon us to have him on the show. Cameron, how are you doing, sir?
0: I'm I'm doing really well, thanks. It's really great to be on the show. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you. This uh, means so much, and and not only. Uh, because of the work and the effort you guys have put into this uh, this passion project of this series over the last ten weeks and beyond, honestly, working on this for, for so far in advance, but also to be here on the cusp of uh, the finale and what a fantastic hour of television that was. Did, did you guys know go, um, going in at the beginning where where you wanted to end uh, with ten episodes, where where you saw all our characters in play by the time the finale aired?
0: You know, we had a, a pretty good overview of where we wanted to go. We always, you know, the way we kind of like to work there is to, you know, have our destination in mind before we begin the journey. Um, but and, but they're but they're not really, you know, fully formed. You know, we have pretty loose ideas and broad strokes about how we want how we want the season to end. Um, and more so where we want the characters, I guess, that where they, where where we want them to end and what their, you know, arcs are going to be. But along the way, as we get into, you know, the nuts and bolts of of breaking the story for individual episodes, uh, things start to change along the way. And it all, by the end, you sort of, we end up getting to the same place. We arrive at the sort of, you know, the same destination, but we've maybe taken a few different, you know, journeys along the way to get there
1: uh another great reason to have you here today is because today of all days at the time of this recording season two renewal uh news so that is fantastic congratulations to you Woo-hoo. and your crew on that we uh we could not be happier for you
0: yeah thank you um yeah we're you know i, I got to you know speak to all the cast last night they're all over in london at the moment so I, you know um phone them all out to let them know and you know we're all everybody's just so excited about the chance to continue this and i think as you know from the finale there's uh there's a lot still in play and and you know i think episode one we worked hard to establish the world build up these characters and then you know now that we've done all of that and we've, we've we've done a lot of that groundwork i feel like there's still so much more story to tell i feel like we've really just scratched the surface of of you know of the potential for this for this series. So, um, you know, I'm just very grateful to all the, the to the to the fans to the audience who showed up to uh, to keep watching to you guys to everybody who supported the show um, who've made it um, possible to have a have a second season and for me to get to go to work with you know the best cast and crew and group of writers that I could ever hope to have worked with. It's a it, it's a dream job and. Yeah, I couldn't be happier.
2: You've garnered, you know, you uh, called it a dream job, and and it's something that I mean, it's certainly Der- Derek and I are, are both lifelong Superman fans, and, and it's certainly I'd, I'd certainly considered a, a dream job. Uh, and it seems like so many of the cast and crew uh, that you've managed to assemble around yourself are are really you know big Superman fans. Uh, Cameron Cuff being, you know, uh, right up there among them. Was that something that was really important to, to you and the team you were assembling to have a, a group of folks who were really passionate about Superman.
0: Yeah, I think it was Im- important to have that. I, I, I don't think it was, you know, um, absolutely necessary for it, for everybody involved. It, it helps. It's obviously helps with, with, Cam Cuff. He's so steeped in, in the mythology and he understands the DC world better than, you know, anyone that I can think of. And, uh, and, and, you know, r- right down to really the spirit of the character and, and what he really represents. You know, Superman—that is—and he—he—he uh, he, he can. Uh, I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's really is his his passion, and and that that's hugely important. I think on the writing stuff, it's it's good to have a mix of people who are uh, who have that knowledge, who who have you know a, a good understanding of of the mythology and and the DC canon. But it's also good to have some people who aren't as steeped in that, who can approach it um, with, with, a, with kind of fresher eyes in a way and who, who don't, don't feel, you know, weighed down by uh, too much of that. And it, and it can be a little, you know, can free us up sometimes in, in our thinking and it can help us, you know, take, the, take it differently, different I think I think yeah, it's good to have a balance. I think it's really important to have those people. I think either either way, whether you have a deep love of of Superman and that mythology, I think the most important thing is to have passion for the thing that we're doing right now. You know, and that's that is something that's hundred percent across the board from you know all the writers we have and our, our cast and crew. Everybody is really invested in the show. Uh, and and what we're doing, everyone's bought into the, the vision of the show and what we're striving to achieve with it. Uh,
1: I want to talk a little bit about the inception of the series because um, the original pilot. I mean, I, how much did what you guys originally shot differ from from what we got in broadcast uh, that time later?
0: That was that was a fair. A fair bit of difference. I'm trying to think now. I would say, I would say, close to, maybe even half, fifty percent was uh, of the pilot that went to air uh, was reshot, which is not uncommon. You know, um, pilots by by nature are, um, you know, an educational process. I think in, in in a lot of ways, I think that they help us figure out what's working and what's not working and you know what tonally what you want the show to be and and uh and i think we learn a lot um i think a lot was learned from the original pilot and i think what we took away from from that experience and i think really put us in good shape to um to make make some adjustments and i think the adjustments we made uh really paid off and i think they really gave us a lot of momentum going forward into the the season
1: Is there a a brief uh, synopsis you could give us of of what that original pilot kind of looked like? There's there's a shot that that we got in some promotional materials early on that Frank and I have have argued about for well over a year and a half now. And it it looks to be like Clark's glasses and a license plate Mm -hmm. and several things on a table. And we've constantly bickered about what that could have meant in the original context of the pilot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that was, um, they were items that were found in the fortress. So honestly, the, the, the shape of the story didn't really change that much. We, we introduced the Adam strange character. That was the biggest change really. Um, but the fortress, the fortress set that we had in the original pilot was, was changed. The original pilot was shot in Serbia and when we went into series we we relocated to to Belfast and and that's where we 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 shot the rest of the series so in in that relocation uh we didn't bring all the existing sets from the pilot and one of the one of the new sets uh was the was the fortress so that that set was reimagined and and you know redesigned and um as such everything that had previously been shot in that set was reshot um and part of part of what you would have what you're talking about the the license plate that would have said um you know kansas and and yeah the the glasses they were sort of items that were kind of on a a workbench i think in the original fortress and the camera sort of panned past that as as a you know in some kind of developing shot onto um seg i think it was as he was sort of exploring the fortress for the first time and it was a little bit of a kind of a you know, just some one of those Easter eggs, and there's plenty of them throughout the throughout the season. Much like the we see the Black Mercy in um, in the fortress, and the idea was just just to suggest that, and we get a sense of this now in in the finale, that you know the Phantom Zone and that and the technology around the Phantom Zone um, allows you know people to to travel it doesn't it doesn't um it doesn't follow the the normal rules of space and time and uh so the suggestion was that uh somebody had traveled into the future obviously to you know to smallville and perhaps even to metropolis afterwards and just to give a you know just to give a bit of a a kind of a a tease of, of the potential of the phantom zone um We and we we sort of obviously we we get into a little bit of that in 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 the finale when we when we see um, when we see Val return
1: Easter eggs, as you said, they've they've been peppered throughout. We've we've noticed a lot from uh, Adam's, you know, the Luther cigarettes and the and the uh, (laughs) beginning of uh, the House of L episode to uh, Carla's voice being the uh, in the Genesis chamber uh, from, yeah, from the Snyder films. What are there? Are there, are there several that, I mean, just that are so deep that you guys just did knowing that nobody will ever find,
0: <laughs> you know, there, there, there probably are. And I would even say that perhaps some of the writers have probably put some things in, into some of the episodes that, that I haven't caught that have, that have kind of found their way in. Um, but, but uh, you know, it's it's that kind of fine balance as well. Where it's it's fun to kind of do that stuff, but I also feel like you know, if you're gonna if you if you're gonna do those sorts of things, then they they sort of deserve a bit of a payoff, you know. Um, otherwise, they they I don't know. Sometimes it's fun just to have them, but uh, you know, if, if you're making too much of them, they can take you out of the moment and or, or give you a, give a false expectation. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah it's 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 a fine line um yeah but i I would say that a a lot of a lot of the things that a lot of the easter eggs that you know that we've you know set throughout this series will or throughout the first season i I think will pay off in in series in some way there's i don't there's there may be a couple that have slipped by me but um those those that haven't uh, were not accidental and they're they're um, in some way, teeing up something that we have planned in the future.
2: You know, one thing that Derek and I have talked a lot about all, all season long is how much of a powerhouse all of the women on this show really are. And, and you know, in yeah. many ways, uh, they they are they are some of the strongest and and most incredible characters on this show. Was that something really important to you? And, and to the writers you know, to, to really have these women be sort of carrying so much of, of, of what's going on and making so many of the, the pivotal decisions that move the series forward.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I, I would say that the, the the women on screen are in some ways a reflection of the you know the women behind the scenes and you know we have a you know powerhouse uh, women in our writing staff, uh, the executives who who we work with at, at the studio, and um, they they've helped really really shape the series to to what it you know to to become what it is. and it and it's it's not by by accident. I think that you know, it's it's perhaps tried to say this, but representation it it really does matter. And I think you have to be you, you can't just hope that it um, occur, you know that it just sort of finds its way in there somehow organically i think you have to purposefully um work toward it you know if if it's something that you really believe in and uh and everybody at every one of the creatives involved in this show believes that it that, that that is important so yeah it's it's very much by design it's it's something that we're um that we'll continue to try and do and and it's something we're you know proud of having achieved so far
1: do you guys know when you're going to be back in the writer's room for season two yet? Yeah,
0: we'll be, we'll be, um, back in there next week. Oh, wow. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. 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 We're getting, getting straight into it. So we're all, you know, very, very excited to get back into it. Um, you know, as you know, with, with the, with the finale, there's a lot of, a lot of threads that we've sort of, you know, left open. And, um, there's a lot of, a lot of directions we can, we can go now. And while we've, Discuss those things. There are still a lot of, you know, still quite a lot of of areas that we that that's that's still just kind of open to us that we have to figure out and and really you know work out the the best way to go. And that's that's the fun part of it is you know obviously is getting in there with everybody who's so invested in the world and the characters and and starting to make those decisions and and seeing where they lead.
1: After watching. Hope uh episode 9 I, I of course I had the utmost trust in you guys <laughs> the the past 9 hours previously uh seeing what you could pull off uh in 42 minutes but uh I I was I was really trying to figure out how you were going to tie up so many things <laughs> in <laughs> in the phantom zone yeah. there was so much going into that finale that had to be addressed and from uh, the pacing to the acting to the writing everything really paid off in that final hour
0: yeah thank you that it was you know i think it's one of the things that i get most anxious about in the job and i think you know we we all do uh all all of the all of the riders we we're always concerned with exactly that the pacing and uh how much how much we reveal when when we reveal it um we don't want to burn through things too quickly and, and and kind of squander the opportunity to and and not really and just sort of skim the the surface of things you know from an emotional point of view we want to make sure we're we're really mining all the emotion out of every every potential moment um but we also don't want it to be too slow and get bogged down so it's always it's it's that's always the challenge really is trying to find that right balance and you know it's it's great to have a, I think we always sort of saw these last two episodes as a two parter. And, you know, I always love penultimate episodes in seasons for some reason. I always, so often they're more, They can be more satisfying than the finale itself. Um, So we were, you know, we were sort of, we always wanted a big nine, but we also wanted to make sure we topped it with, with 10, with episode 10 and, Hopefully we do, and I, I think the, the 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 two episodes really do work well in tandem. And I think we, you know, we there are so many reveals in those last few episodes, and we, but yeah, there's still still plenty left in ten. I don't think we, I don't think we, I think we kept a little bit of powder dry for ten.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously there's there's a couple of characters we don't even get to, we don't even have time to meet up with that their cliffhanger happens for us in episode nine. Uh, yeah, Jaina specifically, and and uh, uh, we we catch up with Adam a little bit, so uh, but uh, again, just really well done. Uh, and and let's I, I want to talk about production because seriously, did you sell yourself to the soul to the devil? Like, I, I <laughs> that shot of Brainiac's ship coming at Candor. How how did that happen on my television set? Like I don't really fully understand how that was not a multi million dollar film uh, that I was watching in theaters. That was stellar work.
0: Man, I, I have the same reaction. <laughs> I, I kind of look at that stuff. The the VFX team we have—that's some dark arts that those guys practice. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. it. It's and you know truly, I think people would be genuinely shocked to to learn um what our budget is um when when you look at those when you look at that because i i think it's very cinematic i think you know brainiac uh i think that that skimmer attack sequence um yeah brainiac ship all that stuff i think is it's fantastic the doomsday the way that character came out i mean we have a, a vfx team led by ian markowitz who are just phenomenal and And I think uh and again I think it really goes back to what I was saying before I know it sounds corny but everybody's just so um passionate about the show and so invested in it that we're able to sort of squeeze more out of you know like every penny of of the budget is right up there on screen and everybody has, has just kind of gone that extra length and Right down to the, to the VFX companies that we work with, they they all want to be a part of the show, and they're all you know um, they're all willing to, to to find a way to make it work. So yeah, um, it's 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 amazing. And and look, um, I, I honestly, I don't know how I got so lucky to have that team. Um, it still blows my mind. But yeah, I think. Um, you know, from the VFX point of view, from from production, the the the, the crew that we have in Belfast is phenomenal. Um, you, you know, the the rest of the post production team back in in LA, our our composer Panar, is great. All of our editors, it's just, it really is a, a dream team um, with you know everybody just equally passionate about about doing the job.
1: Well, and I and we've had Panar on before, and she she's just a treat. The the music of the show is uh is as much a character as any anybody else uh physically on the show Uh, there's a moment in the finale around the the 30 minute mark or the the, i guess the halfway point really where where zod shows up uh to talk to brainiac face to face and i mean there are cues she pulled straight from the krypton sequence uh you know that she masterfully reworked and arranged herself uh, that fill straight out of those krypton sequences from Superman the movie and there's so much of that yeah. peppered throughout the season um and and from a from a visual standpoint from from music and I, I don't want to oversell or not undersell uh the practical effects either because it, it is an ama- the sets and and the costuming and and makeup is I mean that ritson as as Brainiac is one of the coolest things I have seen in some time yeah. on television.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. You know the the thing about our show is, and I think it what makes it different to a, a lot of shows is that being obviously being set on an alien planet, it means that everything is a is a make or a build. So all those costumes are handmade. Our costume designer is is amazing, Bojana. Uh She you know she and her team. You know, they hand make every single piece that you see there. Nothing, you, you know, you can't go down to, you know, um, uh, whatever target <laughs> and buy it <laughs> off the rack. You can't get any any of the, um, you know, the um, set deck, any any furniture. All of that is, you know, there. Are, we have in in our art department concept artists who who design everything. Whether it's you know any any kind of prop, whether it's food or uh utensils or you know weapons or you know, you know the big things the small things you know the, the the furniture all of that kind of stuff it's all designed there's like concept artists who work on you know on designing that stuff and then it's you know manufactured all in-house uh so it's a it's a, obviously a, it's a it's a big undertaking and it's all and it all needs to be um it all it all needs to fit within the world and there there are, we have our you know our own kind of set of of rules for how everything should be should look and what materials are used and and how they're used how, how you know power is sourced on the planet all that kind of stuff all, all goes into the kind of thinking when you know when we're um developing all of those props and and costumes and um the sets um uh, the scale of the sets they're they're enormous um and we which give the give the show um, a sense of scope, which and and a cinematic scope, which is something we always were, were aiming for. Um, you know, visually was to try and give it a cinematic feel, but it, they definitely present a big challenge from a from a lighting point of view. And I think one of the um, perhaps unheralded, um, you know, um, and but but most important. Um, most important creative person one of the, one of the most important creative people on the show is our director of photography chris baffer and what he does with light uh is he's a magician and um yeah he's a he, he he's really the guy who 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 keeps that crew moving and you, you know is is really responsible for the for that cinematic look that we have so uh yeah it's again i i, I honestly i just I, I, I thank Ralph for the blessings he's bestowed on us um, with the with the fantastic team we have.
1: It's paid off, and I hope I hope the family gets to stay mostly the same going into season two. I know sometimes in the sophomore sh- season, we some people vacate or or, or move on, but I, I hope you get to keep a lot of the people because it's worked. Uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That mentality, you, you guys have, mm-hmm.
0: have, have... I agree? Yeah, I agree. And it, 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 look, Touchwood. So far, it looks that way it it can be tricky especially on like the short order shows where it's sort of you know it's only like 10 episodes or 13 episodes it's hard because you know other jobs come along and maybe they're a 22 episode order or something like that so you know people got to eat and they've all got families and i get all that but um it looks like largely we've you know so far again touchwood um yeah. Uh, again, I don't understand why, but Rao smiles, and we seem to have kept kept the kept the band together so far.
1: The uh, I wanted to touch on the mythology, and of course, we'll speak later on more about the uh, the season finale specifically. But the mythology you guys have set up. But obviously, when season two renewal came out today, when that news broke, a lot of people keep using that word prequel. Is that? Mm. Do you like that word? Is that a dirty word? I mean, is, how, how do you view that when, when describing the show? Because I feel like you guys have, I mean, th- th- you guys have, have broken your own ground. I mean, there's John Byrne and there's yeah. there's Richard Donner and there's Cameron Welsh. So, I mean, you guys have really uh, created the soil on which you're standing. And to call it a prequel, I feel like almost does a disservice to, to what you've done.
0: Yeah, look, I would have... I would like to think we've shaken that tag now. I think we've hopefully demonstrated for for those you know who, who kind of watch that that it's it's not really a prequel. That um, you know clearly through the events of of, of the show, um, the the course of history has been has been changed, and we're no longer a part of the timeline, the traditional you know timeline that led to the to the Superman that that we know. So, um, in, in, by, by definition, it can't really be called a prequel, you know, even, even if it perhaps started out that way, it, as soon as you start meddling with time, the way we have, and, and certainly by, by the, by the end of that, um, really by the end of the season and particularly like through, through all the actions throughout the season, but particularly the final, um, it's pretty clear that we're, we're now. We're now completely free of, of all of that and we're, we're absolutely, you know, marching to the beat of our own drum. This is um, where – and it's quite – I find it quite liberating and I feel like one of the interesting sort of questions around the show is this sort of idea of, I guess, can you have your cake and eat it too? Like can, can the world – can we still get a Superman and can Krypton – as a planet survive or does one sort of cancel out the other and i think that's a kind of a question that might that that i think will probably stick around for a while but i think you know it's it's pretty clear in the finale when you see that cape disappear we we set that up as a as a dramatic you know narrative device you know in the first episode and we and we make it very clear what it means and so when it disappears when Superman's symbol disappears. It becomes very clear that Superman no longer exists. You know, he's gone. He's been wiped from history. Um, so yeah, it's. I think I would like to think we're we're in we're in kind of um, uncharted waters now.
1: Setting up that world and that sandbox that that I mean, all the way back to, gosh, I guess the end of House of Zod with that that major cliffhanger. And reveal um which was which was cruel by the way because when the screeners came out it was three months before we knew what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: when, when
1: that happened.
0: Um, um yeah that was my favorite episode by the way house of Zod, which is why i was very keen to have up to episode five included in the screen as it went out because i felt like <laughs> not not to be cruel like that but i felt <laughs> like it was uh, such a you know such a a, a great twist you know I don't, I don't i think it i think it would ho- hopefully it was as surprising for everybody as we you know as we wanted it to be
1: i kept telling people thank god you only have to wait a week <laughs> <for everything laughs> seriously <happens> next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so but where where did that kind of come into play with with the zod and the L's in the writing room process is that something you guys knew from the, from the get-go you wanted to Incorporate to to have General Zod as a time traveler was did that kind of come into play later on in the writers' room?
0: Uh, it came into play. A, it was still reasonably early on. I think we knew that it would be a bit too, um, you know, a bit, a bit too straightforward to kind of set up that Brainiac has come back in time to to change history. And for for then that to turn out to be the truth felt like it'd just be too straight ahead a story. So it needed some. It needed twists and turns. Um, and also, anybody who's familiar with Superman mythology knows that Brainiac comes to take Candor, um, and that that happens. So it sort of felt like, you know, it it could be. I, I thought I, I felt there was an opportunity to use that part of canon to our advantage use it as a bit of a use brainiac coming as a as a miss as a misdirect really and uh and then yeah get that surprising turn with zod and i think you know as much as the krypton is about the house of l it, it really is about the story of the the house of zod as well and we have we you know two of the most important characters in the show being uh Jaina and lighter and their dynamic on screen is is incredible and i think adding adding zod into that adding general zod into that just felt like a bit of a bit of a no-brainer really and it really it was a game changer which was what we were hoping to do the first half of the season we wanted it to be about setting it up setting up the world um developing the characters um understanding their relationships and all the dynamics and then just Completely upending that table uh, and turning it all upside down uh, at the halfway mark, and yeah, so that, that that's I think what we were able to achieve with Zod, and I think one of the other cool things I just love Zod as a character, and I still get shivers, you know, to think that I'm that I'm, I have the opportunity to write for that character. But one of the things we really worked on with Zod uh, is that you know he he never. You'll never see General Zod. He he never lies. You know he's he's a straight ahead character. He's not he's not um, duplicitous. He, he he's not looking to deceive. He's just straight ahead. He 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 tells you what he's about and and he's honest about it. And he and he goes for it. And he has you know in his in his head he has a very clear idea of of what his you know what his goals are, what his purpose is, and and he goes for it. He's very. He's, he's laser focused on on saving Krypton. I guess it's just that his idea of what saving Krypton looks like is wildly different to what Seg's idea of saving Krypton looks like. But he's not he's not a straight-ahead, he's not a he's not a mustache twirling villain, you know. He's he's a really he's just a really interesting character. He's somebody who's and this General Zod, who's already been into the phantom zone he's already seen krypton's destruction he's been in the phantom zone he's gone you know toe-to-toe with superman and he's lived through all of that and now he's found an opportunity to go back and and correct it all and i just think that that makes him so much more formidable than than he's ever been and uh and it gives his his drive and his focus is, is so clear and it just makes him, you know, a, a, a wildly, um, you know, intimidating and formidable character. So he just felt like a a, a natural fit for the show, really.
1: Will we find out more and- about what uh, where what brought him, what means brought him through time back to Krypton in season two?
0: Well, I think we we get a I think we get that in. Um, in 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 the finale i think i think we sort of explore that and i think that's is hopefully clear enough we we still we'll, we'll discuss it like like everything everything sort of on the table i guess for season 2 but i think um, what will be interesting is to i think by the end of you know by the end of this season the finale we see that krypton is uh is under zod's control and it's the the one thing that he was unable to do you know, first time round, he, he attempted a coup. It was it was stopped by by Jorrell, or you know, depending on which version you go with, it, it the, the coup uh, didn't didn't work, and he ended up in the Phantom Zone, and so he never got to lead Krypton as such. in In our show, by the end of the by the end of the finale, he does. He's now a um the a military dictator, so. Now having an we we now have the opportunity to um, to imagine and and to realize a world where General Zod a Krypton where General Zod has has done it He's saved Krypton from destruction and he is now it's it's you know supreme leader Uh, that that's pretty pretty interesting stuff I think to explore
2: it really is and I especially like having him. You know, there's an unmistakable undertone, overtone, really, of of him as a sort of, you know, fascist dictator at at the end of the finale there. Uh, this show, you guys really don't shy away from, you know, the political commentary uh, in a way of, of, you know, he's he's got sort of the fascist uh, undertones. There's the whole show touches on. It's really built around inequality whether it's classism or power or wealth you know the rich wanting to clone themselves that's something that you guys really have built into this show into the fabric of it
0: yeah it, i, I well, that's that's definitely the in, the intention i think we i think it's our you know i think in a way it's our responsibility you know it, we, you got to have something to say i think when you know we're in a I feel like I'm in a very privileged position and anyone who's working in in media or in television when you when you when you have a voice and and you have an opportunity to you know to to reach millions of, of viewers I think there's what come through that is a certain response you know you should be responsible with with what you're putting out there so I think that I, I view it as an opportunity to, to to make social commentary and I think all the best you know science fiction has always done that um and uh, you know uh, we're a, we we try not to make it um too overt in, in a way we don't want it to be at the expense of entertainment and and good drama i think we want to we want to have it baked in there organically we don't want it to feel preachy and you know what i mean we don't want it to turn people off but i think again i think it's part of our responsibility is to sort of Hold up a bit of a mirror to society without necessarily making sweeping judgments. You know, I think we can kind of leave that to the audience, but um, but certainly just to kind of reflect some of the issues that we're dealing with in in life, whether it be you know some of the, some contemporary issues that we're dealing with or or historical issues that we've we've dealt with in you know in the past that we're perhaps in danger of repeating. I think that you know the, the the prism of science fiction storytelling gives a, gives opportunity to do that. Um, I think in season one we explored a world of of a theocracy, you know, and the and of an extreme of, of extremism in in religion and and what and what a kind of uh, uh, you know what a world under under such an extreme theocracy could could look like. And I think in season two we will. We'll get to see um, a, a different version of the same of, of an oppress of an oppressive, you know, government. So, and part of part of all of that go- speaks to this kind of idea that I've always found really interesting, which is, you know, what makes Superman Superman? You know, he's obviously he never he, you know how depending again on 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 what version you go with. He really was never a part of Krypton. He he was kind of born, you know, um, thrown into a rocket and um, spat out to Earth, and he, he so he was you know brought up by you know Mar and Park Kent, and you know he has and I think that upbringing in Smallville and the, the values that Mar and Park Kent their core values are, are really reflected in the, the character of Superman, and they make him who he is. But but I also wonder you know krypton so is obviously still such a big part of him he is he is still an alien and so how much of 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 that kryptonian you know and and his his bloodline is responsible for who he is in other words how much of it is of superman's character can be defined by nature or nurture and so that kind of leads me to think well if 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 there's if the you know if it's equal measures, let's just say for for the sake of argument, then what kind of world must Krypton have been to birth a, a being such as as Superman? You know, what what kind of society and and culture would that have been? And what we've seen on screen so far seems you know a, a far cry from from what you would expect. And that's again by design. So. Because it gives us somewhere to go in in the story. I think that in order for if 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 we are going to get to a place in in the story where somehow Superman is is eventually born, then it seems that Krypton needs to undergo some kind of a social revolution and and sort of usher in some kind of new renaissance or, or golden age, and it needs to. Um, you know, it needs to, because the the Krypton that we're seeing now, like if, if it feels like, you know, if, um, a a young Kryptonian baby was put into a rocket and that landed on, you know, landed on earth, I think that child would probably grow up to be more like the Punisher than, you know, than Superman (laughs) based on the kind of, you know, um, the sort of political landscape of Krypton at present. So, Anyway, that's that's part of you know it's a, it's a very long-winded answer I think to your question, but it's it's sort of yeah I guess at the end of the day the, we don't shy away from the politics we 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 see that as being something in, you know that's that's it's part of our job really and and uh, I think again it makes for for fantastic conversations in in the room and it's a, it's a in our writers room and again with all the key key creatives involved and. Um, yeah, it's a it, it, there's something it, it, I do see that as a as part of the privilege of the job.
1: I think uh, I think if anything, that answer just proves you're the right man for the job. <laughs> you 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 know it inside and out, and and, and you're uh, you're willing to make those calls and, and and doing a great job at it. Can you um can you give us any sort of tease on? I know you you haven't even gotten into the writers' room yet, but where where you could see season two going what we can expect from, from the next batch of episodes.
0: Yeah. Look, uh, to be honest, there's still so much still to be, to be, to be figured out. So it's, I would, I would love to give you guys something. I mean, I, I think I can, I can throw a few things out there, but um, they may not stick. so if they may they may they may go the way of the the glasses and the number plate that you saw in the original pilot but i'll 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 throw a few things out there anyway, and it it might be a bit of an interesting exercise to kind of revisit this, you know in a year's time and see how much of it actually landed. but um, one of the things i I'm interested in doing. Um, you know, structurally with the show, I think what what could be interesting is is to sort of uh, do a bit of a time jump. Um, I think we, you know, in the finale we we end. There's 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 a lot of cliffhangers and there's a lot of um, th- you know threads open, whether it's from the finale or episode nine. But structurally, I think it might be interesting to sort of jump forward a little bit in time, and then. And not pick up where you expect to pick up, and then to kind of backfill how everybody ended up in in these um, surprising situations, and then in in learning just those in learning how these characters ended up where they ended up, it, it would then sort of put them on on course for to kind of for all those stories and characters to converge sort of in the midpoint, and then propel the rest of the season. That's that's one thing that I think. It, be kind of interesting structurally. Um, but I think in order to pull that off, you, you, I think we really need to be very clear on on where we're going with the season, you know, um, which will always be the intention, but it, it's it's hard to, I think it's hard to try and pull off a, a, a non-linear narrative structure unless you are, you know, absolutely clear on what the end point is. Um, so anyway, that, that's one thought. And I think, I mean, I, th- I can tell you some of the, uh, you know, some of the probably more obvious things. We want to expand the world out. I think in in season one, we really we saw Candor, um, but we we understand that there are more city states in in Krypton. We we've, we've mentioned a couple, but we we haven't gone there yet. So um, I think we can expect to see uh, at least one other city state. Um, realized in fact I can let you in on on a secret that I've been working with some fantastic concept artists uh, over the last few months while the show's been um, while we've sort of been wrapping up post on season one and you know crossing our fingers for season two just um, in you know in in the hope that it would happen uh, I got to work with our VFX uh, supervisor uh, Ian Mark which our VFX producer and um, and some concept artists and we started putting together some concepts for, for Kryptonopolis. So that's a city we would like to explore in, in season two. So, um, I think that gives, I think what we're looking at so far visually is vastly different to, to Kandor. Uh, it's still under a protected dome, but whereas candor was the way we sort of envisaged it, it was, you know, like on an old, it, it used to be, I guess, a mining town, which, Accounts for its topography and and those kind of shafts and ravines and crevices, um, but then it was sort of built up in a like vertically like a kind of a Manhattan. And while it doesn't, relatively speaking, doesn't have a massive, um, you know, you know, land area, it's very densely populated. And what we're sort of looking at with Kryptonopolis is something much a much larger land mass that that doesn't have that same Manhattan feel. That's not as I guess um, you know, urban kind of. Uh, it's not all just you know high-rise kind of buildings. We're looking at um, some more vegetation, you know, uh, within 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 this um, artificial weather simulation that that exists within inside the dome so that so visually that'll that'll um, add some new elements it'll i think what we're looking at is is gorgeous the, the the concept art is beautiful and if we can um come close to pulling some of that stuff off i think it'll be a real treat and i think it'll just add a completely different element to the show um and it'll help open open it up a bit i think that in in the first season we were you know, contained very much within Candor And and I think there was a, and, and it worked for us in, in a lot of ways, a, you know, that sort of claustrophobic feel. But as we, in, in going forward, it feels right to expand that world, particularly when you think about where we end up with, with Zod talking about unifying the city-states. And then, you know, now that the kind of cat's out of the bag, really, about life, about the existence of life outside of the planet of Krypton, it sort of um, it kind of follows then that as a show we would start to see more of that. So um, I, I would I would also say that I don't expect Krypton to be the only planet that will that we'll see in in season two. And so there's been there have been a few discussions around that too. We ha- we haven't gone as far as concept art for any of that kind of stuff, but but uh, I, I think that's that's something we want to look at. Um, I think the I think you know we can say for sure that Brainiac will be back. Um, obviously, Doomsday um, will be a big part. Um, I think what what I think will be really interesting to play around with is the idea that for the for really most of the first season, um, we we were dealing with the threat of Brainiac, and we had our hands full, where our heroes had our had their hands full, just dealing with um, the sent Brainiac sentry. Um, and he, you know, pretty much decimated the city of Kandor. In in many ways, he wiped out the Sagittari, uh, you know, or a lot of them, and and kind of just had his way with the whole with the whole city. And he was just, you know, he was just like the entree, uh, or, or the sorry, the, the starter before the before the main meal arrived in Brainiac, and he really only arrives at at the end of nine, and uh, so there's. I, I think there's what, what we've seen is that as formidable as what we had to deal with in the first season was where we're, we're nowhere near, um, we're nowhere near sort of the, the threat level of what brainiac truly represents. And so I think that's what we're going to see more of in season two as well. So, um, that, that should be fun. Um, that with doomsday, that's, that's a lot for our guys to handle. Um, and and then yeah, and then and the rise of Zod, of course. So um, they're they're the, they're the areas that we'll be playing with, and and you know all all of that said, they're the kind of the big sort of, um, you know, the big sort of plot pieces and and sort of you know the toys that we have in our in our kind of toy box. But ultimately, the show will you know I think to this point and and in the future will. Can only really succeed on the strength of its characters, and and so when we get in into the room, and once we start, you know, we'll, we we always have a on on one of our you know whiteboards in the room, a list of our characters, and we and we just track whatever their emotional journey is across across the across the season, and we look at their arcs, and they will they will really drive the narrative. So we'll we'll look at where we left off, where we left our characters at the end of season one. And we'll look at uh, where we can take them in season two, and you know we'll let them really drive story.
2: One thing's for sure. One thing's for sure. Uh, you know, no matter no matter what, you guys are going to continue to turn our expectations on their heads. That was something you did all throughout season one, and I very much, very much look forward to having my mind blown throughout season two. With like, they can do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank you. That's that's. I think that's again. It's one of the. Um, you know one of the 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 things that i love so much about the job is that yeah we 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 have the the blessing of you know we work with with jeff johns who's incredible and he he just you know whenever we sort of get a little concerned like are we is it going to be okay can we really do this it's like yeah go for it where we have the support of of the studio and the network and and dc to to really um to really do that and and uh, you know I think again, we've. Why not? I think that's one of the things that's made, um, you know, this this character and um, and and this world so exciting for so many people over over the years. You know, um, now that we get a chance to to um, you know to, to tell our own little story within that within that kind of larger mythology, we should be as as. Um, you know bold and ambitious as those that have sort of come before us
1: well cam thank you so much for joining us this has been an absolute treat we we wait on bated breath with season two i hope once th- you as you teased uh, uh, one thing i hope we get to see obviously for our for our hero is the interior of the phantom zone <laughs> and we get seg out of there and back on krypton
0: <laughs> yeah well you know i think the thing about the the phantom zone is um it's still in its infancy really um we we sort of allude to that I think with um, with Val and and what he's spoken about with the Phantom Zone and you know he he was Krypton's greatest scientific mind and he he found found it unpredictable and you know hard to hard to control so if he struggled with it I think Seg might have some struggles with it too so I think it's one of those things with the Phantom Zone we we feel like it's um, it's a, It should. It should be a very, a very dangerous and you know. It's an awesome power, um, and piece of and kind of technology that that is enigmatic and and it should never be easy and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't really. We don't want it to become the solution to um, our our problems. You know, when we're creating obstacles for our characters in a, in a you know in a dramatic sense, we don't want to just kind of use the Phantom Zone as a kind of a um, get out of jail free card, you know. So, if if it ever becomes a, if it like we see in the in the finale, um, while it might um, it, it may solve a problem, it creates another set of problems in its in, in, in another way. And I think that's the it, it, there should be a you know there should be a cost attached to it. It should always exact a heavy toll when it's used.